Thank you so much, Julia. Father, would you uh, encourage us through your word this morning? Uh, Would you speak to us? And would you shape our lives a little more because we've opened the scriptures and been guided and shaped by them? In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Friends, can I just begin by saying a huge thank you to those of you who uh, were here on Friday and uh, many others of you who uh, sent messages in or made contact. We really did appreciate that. And um, I will uh, try very hard this morning not to project how I'm feeling onto you lot. um, uh, But I've I've changed the sermon series today because... um, Actually today, you'll be pleased to know, we were going to speak about money, but I changed that because I didn't think I could speak about money today. I, 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 I felt as though I just wanted to, as it were, chat to you about Jesus Christ, about the most important thing, a person that we could ever be in touch with. We are going to talk about money in the next couple of weeks. Um, uh, there's a, there was a huge thank you to um, uh, Adrian Conroy and Simon Aglianby who made the sound desk work on Friday. I think gaffer tape was probably used. Um, uh, we are, we are going to talk about finance because we need as a church to talk about finance. Um, uh, and we actually do need to replace the sound desk, which is quite an expensive item. And uh, we would love to make an appeal to help us get uh, the funds for the lift to go upstairs um, uh, in the next few weeks. So um, I'm going to do something of that next week and, and uh, launch a little gift day that we might be able to have uh, together. Um, uh, but this morning I just want to talk about uh, Jesus. Um, I chose this reading in Acts because the book of Acts covers three crucial decades in the history of uh, the world. It's the years between AD 33 and AD 64, and um, it's when this movement of Christianity was born. Um, And it's in those years that we see this fledgling, we see this fledgling um, movement become uh, the largest religious movement the world has ever seen in those early days. Uh, and it, changed, it has since changed the lives of hundreds of millions of people. It's spread across the globe. It's reached every corner of every nation. It is quite extraordinary. Um, uh, it has had an incredible impact upon civilization, upon our culture, our education, uh, upon medicine and freedom and, of course, on the lives of countless people. And the question is often asked, what enabled this tiny minority of people in a backwater corner of the world, where there was no communication, where there was no internet, where there was no sound system, where there was no nothing, where there was just a tiny group of people, what enabled them to change the world. What was it? That is an extraordinary thought. That that from a place of 
nothing and nowhere came a few people, literally a few people, that have turned the world upside down. Um, the verse that I want to reflect on, and I'll get there in our passage, is Acts 4.13. And it says this, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Uneducated, common men. That was not a compliment. That's what they described them as. Uneducated, common men. Not complimentary in any way, shape, or form. The leaders were surprised and confused. They looked at Peter and John, and they realized these were utterly ordinary people who spoke with an extraordinary confidence. These were people who were nothing to look at, no background necessarily to, to praise. Uh, the Jewish leaders were astonished at their boldness, but they weren't impressed with their background, but they realized that they'd been with Jesus. So it wasn't their background they had no formal religious training. It wasn't their credentials. They had none. It wasn't their religious pedigree. They didn't have one of those either. It was a spirit-filled boldness that changed them, that came out of them, as it's described here, as being with Jesus. Being with Jesus changed everything for them. Where are we on the book, in the book of Acts? Well, Peter and John have just healed a crippled man at the temple. And when a crowd gathers, they take the opportunity to preach the message of the gospel. Then they're arrested and they're thrown in jail and Paul addresses the religious leaders in our reading today. And, and when addressing them, it's helpful to remember that Peter is addressing the people who stirred, the leaders who stirred the people up to crucify Jesus. So he's addressing, in a sense, the murderers of Jesus. So you would think he would be a little cautious <laughs> in what he says, because already they've chucked him in jail. You think he would be careful in the way in which he approaches this message. But it's to his credit that he didn't back down. He clearly identifies their guilt. He says this in verse 10. Let me clearly state to all of you, he says, and to all the people of Israel, that he was healed in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, of the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. So, so these, these leaders who've just murdered Jesus, Peter stands up to them and he says, you just murdered them, but God raised him from the dead. You need to hear that, and all the people need to hear that as well. And he concludes, he concludes with this, there is salvation in no one else, 
for there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. You know, it's been said that a crisis never made anybody, but it always reveals who somebody is. A crisis never makes anybody, but it does reveal who you really are inside. So when you're facing trauma or difficulty or struggle in a crisis, whenever a crisis happens, who you really are, what you really rely on, who you put your faith in, that's what comes to the fore. If, I, I, if I'm a, allowed to be um, uh, proud of this wonderful woman, Kathy Weber, my PA, whom I thought so highly of, you know, in, uh, I saw her every day since she was um, uh, diagnosed with cancer, and uh, we had a, about an hour together on the Saturday, just quietly, the two of us, just talking. She was in severe pain, and uh, of the hour together, 15 minutes of that, we just spent praying together. She said, oh, I just, all I need now is prayer. That's all I need. And, uh, of course, then we were hopeful. <laughs> we were hopeful that she would... Uh, survive. But the crisis actually revealed who she really was. And this is who she really was. She was a woman who absolutely and completely relied on and believed in the name of Jesus Christ. I've just been reflecting on that these last few weeks. Just been reflecting on that, thinking if a crisis happens, what comes out of me? The old saying, isn't it, is that Christians are like tea bags. Put them in hot water, you soon see what's on the inside. It all comes out. So, so, so put yourself in a crisis. What comes out? This is what shone out of Kathy, was Jesus Christ. This is what shone out of Peter. In a place of crisis, a boldness in Jesus Christ. A boldness in faith. A boldness in the message of the good news of the kingdom of God. The religious leaders couldn't figure Peter and John out. They couldn't deny the healing that had just happened. That had happened. They couldn't deny their boldness. How then would they explain these ordinary people? How could these uneducated, ordinary people make such an impact? Why were they not intimidated by their arrest? How could they dare to speak so freely? What was the secret in their lives? That's what they were trying to work out. And when they consider those facts, this is the conclusion they come to. That they had been with Jesus. I don't think anything is more important for us today. That we as, we as people would, would be people who would be with Jesus. That, that we would know Jesus deep down in our hearts. The early Christians turned the world upside down because they had had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. It wasn't through any great strategy. <laughs> I don't think they probably had a strategy. It wasn't through any great plan. It wasn't through any, any great mission statement. It wasn't through any great vision. It was just, this is who we are. And, and, and they're in a place of, 
of persecution and crisis. And out came Jesus Christ. Out came this person who had radically changed their lives. And I think it's that single fact that explains the boldness of the first generation of believers who took the gospel from Jerusalem across the Roman Empire. That would, they would not fit into any, any of the religious, ordinary religious categories at the time. Because it was more than just a knowledge. It was more than a few prayers. It was more than a religious hobby. It was something that produced a dynamic power that transformed these ordinary men into bold witnesses for Christ. It had nothing to do with their background. It had nothing to do with their pedigree. It had nothing to do with their education. It had everything to do with the fact that the disciples had been with Jesus. They knew him intimately, and it changed everything. Even their enemies could see the difference it made in their lives. You know, often we're not good judges of our own influence. Others will see things about us that we don't necessarily see ourselves. The Jewish leaders were not impressed by Peter and John, but they were in for a big surprise. What, what chance was there that these uneducated fishermen would hold their own in the presence of a whole group of learned rabbis? Yet the rabbis were made to look foolish by the fishermen that day. Remember, Peter and John weren't looking for a confrontation. This is the context. They were going up to the temple to pray. That's all they were doing. They were just going up. They weren't looking for a fight. They were just going up to the temple to pray. That, that, that was their, their mission that day. Well, I'm just going up to pray. And on the way, it's on the way to prayer that they meet this guy that needs healing. And so the story begins to unfold. And they perform a healing and they share something of Jesus Christ, and they get themselves arrested. There's nothing more ordinary than that in their lives. It's simple obedience. And you know, when people live lives that honor God and just do the right thing, Jesus shines through. Jesus shines through in who we are and what we do. Peter and John were doing what Christians should do. They're ready to give an answer for the hope that was in them. Peter talks about that in 1 Peter chapter 3.15. They're ready to give an answer for the hope that was in them, that was in their hearts. Just doing the ordinary thing. Not looking for a position, not looking for uh, recognition, not looking for honor, not looking for anything else. Just doing the ordinary thing. And in doing the ordinary thing, Jesus Christ shone through. Uh, the Jewish leaders were greatly annoyed, it says in verse 2. It says the leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there's resurrection from the dead. They simply told the truth. You crucified Jesus, God raised him from the dead. And here's the response, verse 4. It says, but many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of believers now totaled 
about 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. Well, that's pretty good, isn't it? From his tiny group, just a couple of chapters ago, just, just a few months ago, in a sense, from this tiny group who had been with Jesus, had so had their lives transformed that the numbers now counted 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. So I don't know how many women and children there. I wish they had counted them. That would have been really helpful, wouldn't it? But they didn't count them. But there's probably going to be at least another 10,000 on top of that, if not more. So from this tiny group, what was it? It wasn't their education. It wasn't their background. It wasn't their start in life. It was simply that they had had a life-transforming meeting with Jesus. No wonder their enemies said these men have been with Jesus. Shaky Peter had become as solid as a rock. No one was going to budge him. He knew. He knew in the very core of his being. In a crisis, Christ would come out. Because he knew this is where the hope was. This is where the future lies. This is where tomorrow begins. This is what causes the sun to rise again. That Jesus Christ is the one that we can trust in. And people listened and lives were changed. And I think when Jesus changes a life, the change will be evident to all. One of the things that I've been spurred on to do these last couple of weeks is I've written to several people throughout my life who've had a huge impact on me because of their lives that have been changed by Christ. Just to say thank you, because I don't think they've got any idea of the influence. No idea. It was about two years ago I met somebody. He came up to me at a, a conference I was speaking at. He came up to me and he, I, I can't even tell you his name. He came up to me and he said, Mark, I want to thank you so much for your ministry. And I was like, That's, it's fine, you know. I was thinking, I don't know what I've done, but it's fine. And he said, uh, he said, because of you, I gave my life to Christ. I said, that's fantastic. And he says, because of you, I started uh, taking faith seriously. And he said, I, I left my uh, executive role, and I'm now uh, leading a church. He says, because I've, he says, I listen to your talks. He's probably going to listen to this one. I listen to your talks each week. I think, my goodness me. We have no idea. No idea. And I wrote to those who have no idea. Say thank you for the blessing that they are, they have been to me. There's something in the way that a person who has met Jesus is. There is a light that shines both inwardly and outwardly. Though the leaders hated what Peter said, they could not deny what Jesus had done in him. Even their enemies knew that Peter and John had been with Jesus. I don't think there could be a higher compliment paid to any of us. Not a higher compliment. That person, uh, I know them because they've been with Jesus. There's something of Christ in their life. My dear friend Kathy was just like that. What are the marks of someone who's been with Jesus? Obviously, we want something of Jesus to rub off on us. Exactly what does that look like? I find it 
hard to improve on, on John 1.14. This is, uh, I, I, we, we have this reading every Christmas, but I just think it's such a fantastic reading. And it says this, it says, Jesus was full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Anybody can be truthful some of the time or loving some of the time. But with Jesus, he was filled to overflowing with grace and truth. He spoke with grace and truth. He showed grace in truth. Jesus never had to choose between truth and grace. What a lovely gift. What a, someone who's been with Jesus will be someone who's full of grace and truth. Because it will rub off on us. Someone who's full of grace and truth. We'll speak with grace to others. We'll always be truthful in what we do. Richard was reminding us the other day that we should carry the aroma of heaven with us. And he almost poisoned us with that terrible deodorant stuff that he was spraying around the church. But you know, a life of grace and truth really will have the aroma of heaven about it. Others will know that they've met. We'll leave that meeting with people feeling good. Do you know that feeling? When, when you've been with somebody and, 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 and you spent some time with them and you, you, they, they then go or you go and you go away and you think, that felt good. That was good to be with them. I feel better for having been with them. That's what Christians should be like. That's what we should be like. That we would... Leave people thinking, I like being with that person. Not because of us. Oh, golly, we've we're, we got so many faults, all of us, haven't we? I mean, I can't speak on your behalf, but I know I have. We've got so many faults and failings in our lives. We're so fragile in so many ways. But actually, that something of the grace of God would shine through us. That they'd know we've been with Jesus. Something of the grace of God and the truth of God. Because they know we've been with Jesus would shine through and and that's what's so attractive. Grace and truth suggests a life marked by humility, honesty, approachability, and kindness. A man or woman filled with grace and truth draws you closer to the Lord, whether they're talking or listening, laughing or crying, standing or sitting. How's that developed? I'd say it's developed in the university of life. I don't think you can get there tomorrow. <laughs> I think it's developed. Paul encourages us to persevere, to run the race, to keep going, never mind what happens in life. Job says this in uh, Job 23.10. He says, he knows, talking about God, he knows uh, where I am going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure gold refined by God, refined in the fire of life. And as I'm refined, this is what happens, Christ comes out. That's what we want to happen in our lives. There are no shortcuts to a life of tested gold. You have to go through the furnace of life so that you can refine uh, in you the gold of a tested character. Until then, it's all theory. It's all theory. But actually, as we go through life, and we persevere, and we walk, and whatever happens to us, we trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what happens. He shines through us.
What will you do when trouble comes? If you're Peter and John, you'll talk about Jesus. And in so doing, you'll do it with boldness and others will see Christ in you. Where should we begin? How do we begin this? Well, if we want to be more Christ-like, we must have more of the Spirit of God. The best advice I could give is seek more of the Spirit of God, for this is the way to become more Christ-like. If we want to be like Christ, we must seek the Spirit of Christ. We don't become Christ-like by accident. It doesn't happen by osmosis or by hanging around the church or by going through religious motions. We do not become like Christ by accident. We do not become like Christ merely by self-effort. Without the Holy Spirit, we'll stay exactly as we are. And I think... This is our challenge. I think it's our calling, and I hope that it's our prayer, that Christ would be seen in us, that the Holy Spirit will fill us with grace and truth, and that the whole world might know by the way that we live that we've been with Jesus. Is that okay? I think it's so important. Do you know, there are a few messages that I've spoken here in key times. Once was when my friend Ed died. Others are when certain other people have gone through crises. This one is one of those. Friends, it comes from the heart. Let's be like Jesus, in your life and my life, that when others go through crises, they would find the Jesus in us that changes everything. Let's stand.